0: Episode 27. After some reflections on how mass evacuations—the term he uses here is disposing—of the city, thereby reducing its population density, might proportionally reduce the impact of the disease in any future calamity, the author resumes a familiar theme, the lack of a method to test for the illness among those who have no symptoms, and thus a lack of a means to prevent the spread of the disease. After relating anecdotes of those who were themselves infected, and who infected others, prior to becoming visibly ill, he reviews some theories of the day about how to test for the disease. Some said the plague could be detected in the breath of the infected, others that their breath would kill birds. In one passage, he mentions the belief of some of his contemporaries that the breath of plague victims, when examined under a microscope, which was unavailable at the time of the plague itself, he says, would reveal tiny monsters, quote, dragons, snakes, serpents, and devils, horrible to behold, unquote. Just short of a decade after the plague in London, Antony van Leeuwenhoek had used a microscope of his own design to reveal the existence of microbes for the first time, and Robert Hooke's Micrographia was contemporaneous with the London plague, so possibly the author would be referring to these discoveries, or at least popular misconceptions about them. In this account, written in the 1720s. I could propose many schemes on the foot of which the government of this city, if ever they should be under the apprehensions of such another enemy, God forbid they should, might ease themselves of the greatest part of the dangerous people that belong to them, I mean such as are the begging, starving, laboring, poor, and among them chiefly those who, in case of a siege, are called the useless mouths, who being then prudently into their own advantage disposed of, and the wealthy inhabitants disposing of themselves and of their servants and children, the city and its adjacent parts would be so effectually evacuated that there would not be above a tenth part of its people left together for the disease to take hold upon but suppose them to be a fifth part, and that 250,000 people were left, and if it did seize upon them, they would, by their living so much at large, be much better prepared to defend themselves against the infection, and be less liable to the effects of it than if the same number of people lived close together in one smaller city, such as Dublin or Amsterdam or the like. It is true hundreds, yea, thousands of families fled away at this last plague, But then of them, many fled too late, and not only died in their flight, but carried the distemper with them into the countries where they went, and infected those among whom they went for safety, which confounded the thing, and made that be a propagation of the distemper which was the best means to prevent it. And this too is an evidence of it, and brings me back to what I only hinted at before, but must speak more fully to here. Namely, that men went about apparently well many days after they had the taint of the disease in their vitals, and after their spirits were so seized as that they could never escape it, and that all the while they did so they were dangerous to others. I say, this proves that this was so, for such people infected the very towns they went through, as well as the families they went among, and it was by that means that almost all the great towns in England had the distemper among them, more or less, and always they would tell you, such and such a Londoner, or such and such a Londoner, brought it down. It must not be omitted that when I speak of those people who were really thus dangerous, I suppose them to be utterly ignorant of their own conditions, for if they really knew their circumstances to be such as indeed they were, they must have been a kind of willful murderers, if they would have gone abroad among healthy people, and it would have verified indeed the suggestion which I mentioned above, and which I thought seemed untrue, that is, that the infected people were utterly careless as to giving the infection to others, and rather forward to do it than not, and I believe it was partly from this very thing that they raised that suggestion, which I hope was really not true in fact. I confess no particular case is sufficient to prove a general But I could name several people within the knowledge of some of their neighbors and families yet living, who showed the contrary to an extreme. One man, a master of a family in my neighborhood, having had the distemper, he thought he had it given him by a poor workman whom he employed, and whom he went to his house to see, or went for some work that he wanted to have finished, and he had some apprehensions even while he was at the poor workman's door, but did not discover it fully but the next day it discovered itself, and he was taken very ill, upon which he immediately caused himself to be carried into an outbuilding which he had in his yard, and where there was a chamber over a workhouse, the man being a brazier. Here he lay, and here he died, and would be tended by none of his neighbors but by a nurse from abroad, and would not suffer his wife, nor children, nor servants to come up into his room, lest they should be infected." but sent them his blessings and prayers for them by the nurse, who spoke it to them at a distance, and all this for fear of giving them the distemper, and without which he knew, as they were kept up, they could not have it. And here I must observe also that the plague, as I suppose all distempers do, operated in a different manner on differing constitutions. Some were immediately overwhelmed with it, and it came to violent fevers, vomitings, insufferable headaches, pains in the back, and so up to ravings and raging with those pains. Others with swellings and tumors in the neck or groin or armpits, which till they could be broke, put them into insufferable agonies and torment, while others, as I have observed, were silently infected, the fever preying upon their spirits insensibly, and they seeing little of it till they fell swooning and fainting, and death without pain. I am not physician enough to enter into the particular reasons and manner of those differing effects of one and the same distemper, and of its differing operation in several bodies. Nor is it my business here to record the observations which I really made, because the doctors themselves have done that part much more effectually than I can do, and because my opinion may in some cases differ from theirs. I am only relating what I know, or have heard, or believe of the particular cases, and what fell within the compass of my view, and the different nature of the infection as it appeared in the particular cases which I have related, but this may be added too, that though the former sort of those cases, namely those openly visited, were the worst for themselves as to pain, I mean those that had such fevers, vomitings, headaches, pains, and swellings, because they died in such a dreadful manner, Yet the latter had the worst state of the disease, for in the former they frequently recovered, especially if the swellings broke. But the latter was inevitable death. No cure, no help could be possible. Nothing could follow but death. And it was worse also to others because, as above, it secretly and unperceived by others or by themselves communicated death to those they conversed with the penetrating poison insinuating itself into their blood in a manner which it is impossible to describe or indeed conceive. This infecting and being infected without so much as it's being known to either person is evident from two sorts of cases which frequently happened at that time, and there is hardly anybody living who was in London during the infection but must have known several of the cases of both sorts. Number one, Fathers and mothers have gone about as if they have been well, and have believed themselves to be so, till they have been insensibly infected, and been the destruction of their whole families, which they would have been far from doing if they had the least apprehensions of their being unsound and dangerous themselves. A family, whose story I have heard, was thus infected by the father, and the distemper began to appear among some of them before he even found it upon himself. But searching more narrowly, it appeared he had been affected some time, and as soon as he found that his family had been poisoned by himself, he went distracted, and would have laid violent hands upon himself, but was kept from that by those who looked to him, and in a few days died. Number two. The other particular is, that many people having been well to the best of their own judgment, or by the best observation which they could make of themselves for several days, and only finding a decay of appetite or a light sickness upon their stomach, nay, some whose appetite has been strong and even craving, and only a light pain in their heads, have sent for physicians to know what ailed them, and have been found, to their great surprise, at the brink of death, the tokens upon them, or the plague grown up to an incurable height. It was very sad to reflect how such a person as this last mentioned above had been a walking destroyer, perhaps for a week or a fortnight before that, how he had ruined those that he would have hazarded his life to save, and had been breathing death upon them, even perhaps in his tender kissing and embracings of his own children. Yet thus certainly it was, and often has been, and I could give many particular cases where it has been so. If then the blow is thus insensibly striking if the arrow flies thus unseen and cannot be discovered, to what purpose are all the schemes for shutting up or removing the sick people? These schemes cannot take place but upon those that appear to be sick or to be infected, whereas there are among them at the same time thousands of people who seem to be well, but are all that while carrying death with them into all companies which they come into. This frequently puzzled our physicians and especially the apothecaries and surgeons who knew not how to discover the sick from the sound. They all allowed that it was really so, that many people had the plague in their very blood and preying upon their spirits, and were in themselves but walking putrefied carcasses, whose breath was infectious, and their sweat poison, and yet were as well to look upon as other people, and even knew it not themselves. I say they all allowed that it was really true, in fact, but they knew not how to propose a discovery. My friend Doctor Heath was of opinion that it might be known by the smell of their breath, but then, as he said, who durst smell to that breath for his information, since to know it he must draw the stench of the plague up into his own brain in order to distinguish the smell. I have heard it was the opinion of others that it might be distinguished by the parties breathing upon a piece of glass, where, the breath condensing, there might living creatures be seen by a microscope, of strange, monstrous, and frightful shapes, such as dragons, snakes, serpents, and devils, horrible to behold. But this I very much questioned the truth of, and we had no microscopes at that time, as I remember, to make experiment with. It was the opinion also of another learned man that the breath of such a person would poison and instantly kill a bird, not only a small bird, but even a cock or hen, and that, if it did not immediately kill the latter, it would cause them to be rupee, as they called it, particularly that if they had laid eggs at any time, they would all be rotten. But those are opinions which I never found supported by any experiments, or heard of others that had seen it, so I leave them as I find them, only with this remark, namely that I think the probabilities are very strong for them, Some have proposed that such persons should breathe hard upon warm water, and that they would leave an unusual scum upon it, or upon several such things, especially such as are of a glutinous substance, and are apt to receive a scum and support it. But from the whole, I found that the nature of this contagion was such that it was impossible to discover it at all, or to prevent its spreading from one to another by any human skill.